0: Welcome to On The Road, a show where automotive marketing professionals can learn from one another's journey. Today we're throwing questions at one of our very own clients, Tony Palo of T1 Race Development. Now they're a GTR specialty shop out of Texas, but to be fair, that's just an understatement. These guys are the best in the business and have more broken records than they can count. If you run a small shop or manufacture performance parts, this episode is for you. Let's go.
1: My name is Tony Palo from T-One Race Development. We're based out of Royce City, Texas, just outside of Dallas. We do Nissan GTR performance work, every aspect of it. And that's the only platform we work on. So we manufacture parts for them, and we build them here in house. Hi. How
2: are How you guys? doing? Sorry for running out a little bit late. <laughs> there's there's We've a been crucial here for an start hour waiting for you. This is crucial start to all of these podcasts where I need tea, mm-hmm. and I was making tea, and I was like, I'm late, but this isn't done. Oh well.
1: and and then you went you know what these motherfuckers aren't going to start without me so i'm going to finish my tea yeah i'm going to finish my tea
2: exactly (laughs) i looked at this cup and i was like this is
1: totally worth it Mm. you're just totally kermit sitting back sipping his tea going what are you gonna do
2: (laughs) yeah exactly it's none of my (laughs) business (laughs) go
1: for it start without me see if i care
2: (laughs) right (laughs) Uh, stretch, you're like, well, I this is a train wreck. How is everyone doing?
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Put on my cape and save the day. All right.
2: mm-hmm. all right, all right. Well, it sounds like you had a really successful weekend.
1: It was not so bad. Okay. It, it, it it surely could have been worse. <laughs> mm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I this is a selfish question but like when you run a one make shop like you do where you primarily focus on one car do you ever have people who look at your car like if they run like Corvettes or Mustangs or other things and they basically go damn I just wish I had a GTR cuz you know do you ever have that like brand jealousy
1: like my people or other people other people um i mean it it probably happens more than gets voiced to me
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But you know, if we go to like at the drag strip, things are things are different because you've got a sticky track, you've got slicks, and so the all wheel drive doesn't play as much of a role as it as it as it does otherwise. I mean, right. yeah. you know, look at look at what these some of the the new Mustangs. I mean, they're they're kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, good automatic trans, and they just they 60 foot like what my race car does. Oh so, wow. There's that, but then you get these things on the street, and nothing rear-wheel drive can touch it. Mm-hmm. So, when we go to the half-mile stuff or the roll race stuff, especially, that's where the all-wheel drive cars really shine. Mm. And so, there's like when Texas Invitational hasn't happened in a while, but at TI, it's like if you didn't have a Lambo or a GTR, then you know you're out there having fun, but nobody's paying attention to you. <laughs> and yeah. so. Some people don't like that, you know? (laughs) They're like, wait a minute. No, I want to be one of the leaders, and you're just not going to do it with a different platform.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they they class them by brackets, like in time, or do they class them by, like, drivetrains and
1: other stuff like that? So king of the streets is anybody who wants to – it's the best of the best, right? Okay, yeah. But then they usually do a rear-wheel drive class because that's a a huge separator. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, they still have a chance to shine in the rear wheel drive class, but overall they're still, they're not competitive. And then depending on how many cars are there and, you know, they've they've done it multiple times where they have a manual transmission class. Right. Um, But that's it. It's usually king of the street, rear wheel drive, and then sometimes a six speed class. Ah, crazy.
2: Crazy. You know, because, you know, my life is go karts and road racing. The world of Mm -hmm. drag racing is always really interesting to me because I know Mm -hmm. so little about it and i get i'm always like blown away by the amount of complexity that happens in such a short period of time (laughs) right (laughs) you know because everyone's always like oh well you know they're only going for 10 seconds and i'm like yeah they're only going for 10 seconds (laughs) if you're lucky yeah exactly (laughs) so you know i always i always end up i saw this one gearbox i don't know much about it so this is where my new niche comes out where every gear with its was its own lever for a drag car Uh i would yeah. never seen one of those before, and I was like, uh, a like, yeah, I just saw it last yep. week. I was like that's insane, but makes a hell of a lot of sense. That's oh, a super yeah.
1: interesting transmission they're they're planetary gears, and the they compound, so mm. you can shift it in a different order and get different gear ratios Oh, uh, so what it's it's <laughs> it's a pretty pretty neat and you definitely a unique deal, yeah, yeah,
2: that's crazy.
1: Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, in 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 big drag racing, it's you know, first first and foremost, build something that doesn't break. Yeah. And then see how you can make it the best you can. Yeah. True story true story true story
2: okay so otherwise i'm gonna spend my whole time talking about cars and we'll probably yeah. never talk about what we came to talk about
1: <laughs> so- wait that's why we we're talking
2: about cars yeah it's my achilles that's my achilles heel right i'm like oh shit we're supposed to talk about marketing stuff oh god yeah. damn it sorry chris i'm yeah. sorry but guess what i learned today So
0: i definitely want us to talk about the gtr world cup stuff though before you came in Davin, and tony and i were talking about it but Uh, i didn't hit record until halfway through the conversation so that's okay i I was cheating on you i was cheating on you with t so
2: that's that's totally fine yeah that's totally easy that is suitable how did you get involved with that
1: uh cars or gtrs yes (laughs) (laughs) so uh it's funny i i feel like i see this story a lot in our industry so Um, When I was growing up, I I didn't have a ton of interest in cars. Uh, I was interested in in bicycles, Hmm. and so I rode and raced BMX bikes. I had My first job was at a bike shop when I was 15 years old. It was across the street from my high school. Hmm. I would ride my bike to school, open the shop, put my bike in there, lock the shop up, walk across the street to school, and then get out of school and then go work until the shop closed and ride my bike home. Hmm. So. When I turned 16, you know, it was time to get a car. I I wanted a car because I wanted my freedom, but it wasn't really about performance at all. Sure. So, I guess when I was 17 or so, some friends were kind of starting to play with cars, and I was looking for something new. So I I bought a I bought a Honda Civic, not because I had any intention of modifying it or knew there was even a, a market for it, mm-hmm. but it was it was a decent looking car. So I bought it. And uh, my friends were, you know, kind of started racing. And I'm like, all right, well, I can play with this. So it turns out a uh, automatic Civic DX isn't really going to end up fast, no matter what you do to it, as long as it's an automatic (laughs) Civic DX. (laughs) So (laughs) then I started kind of getting interested in cars just from my competitive nature. And so I ended up buying uh, a 92 Acura Integra. Hmm. So that was actually the first car i'd ever driven with a five-speed transmission oh
2: wow
1: when i went to buy it i didn't know how to drive a manual transmission yet i i, mm. I in theory i knew how it worked i had never done it mm. so i get to the guy's house and he's like yeah you want, you want to take it for a test drive and i'm like well you know how, why don't you drive it and i'll just I'll ride in the passenger seat <laughs> he's like well okay mm. i guess right so we go for a drive i'm like all right i'll take it go inside i pay him i'm walking out to the car going all right here we go <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's not as hard as it's made out to be so drove it home, and then I had already been you know, shopping through Super Street Magazine and Turbo Magazine to see what I was gonna do. So I had a little bit of money left over from selling the Civic and buying the Integra, so I went to Jotec and I bought some parts, intake and header and exhaust and some springs. And you know, I had the mechanical ability to do the basic stuff, but I didn't, I didn't have all the tools that I needed. So <laughs> I knew that I wanted the car to be really low and the springs weren't going to lower it enough. And so I asked Kenny if he would cut the springs for it. And he said, um, yeah, I'll cut the springs for you. And I was like, I want to cut two coils. He's like, man, I think it's going to be too low. And I'm like, no, nah, I think it's going to be good. He goes, how about this? We'll cu- I'll cut one coil. If you put them on and you want it lower, if you bring it back up here, I'll cut another coil and won't charge anything. I was like, yeah. all right, cool. So took all the stuff home, installed it all, brought it back up there the next day, and I was like, "Ah." I think I still want it lower. And he's like, you put all this stuff on? I said, yeah. He's like, by yourself? I said, yeah. He's like, do you want a job? I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And so that's where it started. I was a senior in high school, got a job at Joe Tech, didn't, didn't know anything about cars specifically, just had some, you know, decent mechanical sense.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that's where it all started. I learned a lot over the years.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of and then, in. and then kind of, as you moved more into drag racing, like what, what attracted you to that?
1: Uh, that's just kind of what we were doing at the time. So, you know, I love road racing, but it's not something that the average person plays with daily with a streetcar. You can do straight line acceleration from any stoplight, but, you know, turning fast on the street kind of has bigger consequences a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. So, dr- drag racing is just what, what I've always done. And,. We were drag racing Hondas back then. Kenny had a Civic, and we kind of turned that into a race car. And you know, it went from the a drag turbo kit with with check valves on the map sensor and uh, super AFC. I mean, it was you know really starting from the beginning. Yeah. And then we ended up putting uh, a, an Excel DFI on it, and then eventually we went to a Motec and methanol. And you know, there was there was a ton learned on that car. I learned how to fabricate on that car. I didn't know how to weld at all. I Picked up a MIG welder and figured it out, and then a MIG welder broke, and so Kenny goes to the the welding shop and he comes back with a TIG welder. And I was like, "Why did you buy a TIG welder? I don't know how to use this." Like I already knew how to MIG weld, and so I watched a little uh, VHS cassette instructional video that came with it, and just started playing with it and picked it up. And you know, I've never I've never taken classes for anything that I have done or do. It's hmm. it's just been hands-on and researching. And, you know, as far as welding goes, it's like, all right, I know what it's supposed to look like. And so if I'm not there, I need to keep trying things and keep researching. And I eventually just, just got there and learned, learned a lot of things along the way. So we did Honda drag race stuff until I left there. And then I left there and I guess it was 0- 0203 mm-hmm. and went to work for Bob Norwood for a couple of years, building tube chassis cars. Like literally just building, doing all the fabrication stuff. Where when I was at Joe Tech, I mean, I was building engines, I was doing tuning, uh, fabrication, whatever we were doing, I was doing. So when I went to work for Norwood, it was more focused on just fabrication stuff. And then I still had, I had a pretty good reputation as far as tuning stuff goes. So I would still rent a dyno and tune stuff on the side. And I was just kind of collecting money doing that. And then um, in, I guess, a little bit early 2005, uh, ben Strader of EFI University, who I had been really good friends with, I helped him put together the the very first EFI 101 class, which took place at Joe Tech. Hmm. And so we'd stayed in touch, and he was in town for another class, and I'm, I was sitting on his truck, and he's like, dude, you need to start a shop. He's like, you've, you've got everything it takes. And it was that, that push that kind of made me actually follow through with it. So I was, at, I was at a point in my life where I was making good money working at Norwoods. I was making good money on the side doing tuning stuff. So I had some money saved up. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. And so it, it was it was a time when I could make that jump without uh, a lot of people relying on me. Sure, <clears throat> sure. I get that. I get so that. then uh, 2005, I started T1, and here we are.
2: Okay, so I have a question that's been like bugging me ever since I met you because you don't road race a lot. Why is it called T1? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the
1: you know this was the Honda stuff was in in the heat of the forum days, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what forums were until somebody directed me to Honda Tech when I worked at Joe Tech about Ooh. this kid totally blasting us because his, his motor blew up. Hmm. and turns out, you know, he's coming home from a bowling alley in the middle of the night and magically the car dropped a valve probably had nothing to do with drinking and over revving it or anything like that. Nah, nah, nah. So nah. I get on there and I'm like, well, you know, I I have to defend us. I'm not going to let this kid talk about us like this. And you know, sure. when it's not true. Sure. So I go to make a screen name and I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll be Tony one, I guess. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm that creative. So, no, when it didn't. came time to come up with a name for the shop, I made a post on Honda tech and I'm like, I need a name for the shop. It's gotta be something that ha- I can do a logo. That's very clear and visible from a distance. Mm-hmm. And that's easy to say when you answer the phone, you know, I don't yeah. want something. <laughs> and no. the, and that it's not some weird word that nobody can pronounce or anything like that. Yeah. And a bunch of ideas came up and somebody was like, you know, how much is T1? And I'm like, you know, I like the sound of that, So mm. that's where T1 came from.
2: <laughs> that makes a hell of a lot of sense.
1: Like, and if that's not a Tony thing, I don't know
0: what is. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So Tony, so, there's, um, there's thousands of shops that are trying to achieve what you've achieved. You know, okay. Injector Dynamics is basically an industry standard. T1 is the, it's one of the best or not the best developer of the GTR platform in the country. How would you advise other shops on achieving similar accolades?
1: i see a lot of well i see and i've seen over the years a lot of people jumping into it with a lot of money and obviously everybody wants to be the best but nobody wants to work their way up to that and i think at the end of the day you know i i was i've just always tried to do the best job i can i've never gone out there and said i'm the best at what i'm doing or anything like that it's just always doing the best that you can and working your way up the ladder and earning that position and i think that's that's the biggest misconception is that you can you can buy your way there or you know you can advertise your way there and you can't you have you, you have to earn it.
2: Do you think that kind of a following that path that it almost tells a better story to customers as you're developing on your way than to almost like create too much hype right off the bat? Because like oh, I absolutely. always feel a little I always feel there were a little bit of resistance, especially when I see new brands and they say, We're the best at X and I haven't seen it, or we do this better than anyone and they're new or whatnot. Because then I'm like, I don't I don't see any proof and I don't see I don't feel comfortable giving you my money or my dollars or my car or whatever it is. Right. Because you're just hyping me. Where when I see like when I first got introduced to you, the first thing we walked through was the base of the anthology of all the work you had done. And I was like, oh, holy crap. Like, he has put in a ton of work. And I can see a lot of that, you know, experience in there. So now let's do a thing, right? Like, I want to do a thing, right? Um, Where a lot of people don't do that. They try to just go straight to the end,
1: right? Yeah. Well, you know, in life, today, more than ever, there's so much bullshit out there.
2: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: And so when something comes along and it seems too good to be true, Mm -hmm. what are the odds of it being too good to be true? Mm -hmm. So you can't you can't talk your way into this especially now because everybody's everybody's more aware Mm -hmm. well most people are more aware and everybody (laughs) should be there you go but you got to get out there and do it and if you do it and you know let other people talk about it let people see it and you're answering questions rather than trying to sell somebody on something yeah it's probably not the right angle to make the most amount of money because there's, you know, selling things is is good. I'm not a salesman. I hate being a salesman. I hate people that are constantly trying to sell things. Mm-hmm. So I won't be that guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe I could sell more if I was a good salesman, but this has served me well. Build really good shit and give people good service and everything falls into place.
2: Yeah, yeah. From a From a marketing perspective, I mean, do you think that there is – maybe more impact and providing more like education or more value to your customers given what you do rather than just hype of some sexy video with a cool car in
1: front of it? For sure. Yeah. I mean the the way I've always looked at things is the more educated my customers are, the better off I am because I know mm-hmm. I'm providing a legit product and them being educated is going to help them to see the differences. So yeah, yeah we've, we've done a lot to educate both on the T1 and the ID side of things.
2: Now, do you, this is a little bit of a leading question, but like when you are thinking of how to market to people, are you always thinking of like the big picture of like, we want to really focus on a particular, you know, we're trying to to sell someone on like a particular engine uh, tune package or maybe on a turbo kit or something, or is it more smaller things? Like we're going to do a 60 second video of, how we install something or how an injector works or something else like that like do you have a a strategy
1: no (laughs) No, Um, and 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 i don't handle. you know Stuart handles all the media stuff Mm -hmm. and i pretty much give him free reign on what he wants to do there the reality is we're all so busy doing all the all the things that Mm -hmm. he doesn't have time i mean promo videos like that would be great i know it would be beneficial um pretty much the videos that we do end up being us at the race kicking ass and our customers having a great time and setting records. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't sell a particular product in itself, but it sells, it it sells us in in general. Yeah. But there's an experience
2: to that, I think, right? I mean, at the very, very minimum customers will look and say, I want to be like that. I want that to be my experience. And there's a huge value in that. Um, You know, there's, there's like, I race go-karts and one of the things I wish I saw more of was, you know experiences like that. That's like you can come and be a part of us. Not yeah. you know you can't afford us, or we're better than you, or every like everyone sucks and we're great, right? Um, because the internet has too much of that going on nowadays.
1: So yeah, I think you know when when we go to these races and um, you know GTR World Cup that we just went to, for example, we had uh, we had eight cars there, mm-hmm. and I don't think you could you could describe a, a more family environment as far as, you know, we get there and it's not us and our customers. It's us and our friends and we're out there. Everybody's doing what they love to do. If it's a perfect weekend, everything goes great for everybody, but that's not how it always goes. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're all out there and we're, we're taking the highs and lows together and it's just, it's a great thing to be a part of.
2: From your perspective, like when you, you know, you're a business owner, so you'll see other business owners and, you know, we've talked about things that you see that work. What's something that you see that doesn't work? Maybe something you see all the time that just never really sells, never sticks, doesn't turn you on, like doesn't help.
1: I think the biggest thing would be people, um, you know, whether it's coming up with a product or just trying to promote themselves, but not actually doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the people that have the great media team, but don't actually do anything. Mm-hmm. 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 That's I see that as the biggest failure. I don't know how other people picture it, but I know, you know, from the feedback that I see, people are paying attention and they see who's doing what and it's doing not saying. So mm-hmm. if you go out there and you're saying something and you're not doing it, people recognize that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that, does that go as deep as letting people see like behind the curtain of like what Stuart's doing or what you're doing or what other team, like, people in the business are doing? Or do you think that's just more of a, you know, showing that we're at the track and having fun sort of thing? Like, when you mean doing I it, I think,
1: I think that if you know if you're doing everything legit the more people can see into that mm-hmm. the better mm-hmm. you know when when we get people that come tour the shop they're just blown away you know at, at just the whole operation which which isn't seen when we're at the racetrack so mm-hmm. it's all just bonus stuff and you know people like to see things being made and development stuff happening and race cars and
0: I'd like for you to go into some of the specifics from GTRL World Cup you touched on it but I mean you guys, every time you come to go to a race, you come back with a handful of broken records. Go into a little bit more detail on that. What's it take? What are you looking to achieve? What's the ultimate goal? Like, what is the crown jewel of broken records that you want to achieve?
1: Um, so there's a couple parts there. So as far as records, you know, the next one in our, in our immediate sites is we'd like to get Georgia's car into the sixes and the stock location class. So that would that would be two things Nobody's run a six on the on the twenty eight inch tire. Mm. Everybody's running the what what we call the big tire, which has a pretty significant advantage traction wise so to do it on a twenty eight inch tire and with you know what we call stock location turbos, which means the turbos are are still inside the frame rails like a factory g t r mm. which significantly limits how big you can go on the turbos mm it'd be really cool to do it with that. It's gone 701. So, I mean, it's just a matter of getting everything, getting everything right. It'll do Mm -hmm. it. So that's, that's the, that's the immediate goal. And then my car's um, probably a few weeks away from coming home from the chassis shop. Um, I just got another bill today. They've got 905 hours in it (laughs) and it's, it's wicked, man. I can't wait to put this thing together, but that thing's going to end up in the fives. I'm I'm not going to quit until it does. So, uh that's that's a big barrier that um you know the the next number barrier is not likely to ever be seen
2: do, do you ever care. like
1: do you ever like watch star wars
2: when they go into hyperspace and just get like bored because your car's faster <laughs> than that like i don't understand
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: you know i, I used to I, I used to see the in-car videos of pro stock and pro mod and all these things and it was just like how can how can a human do that how can you mm-hmm how can you process things that fast and control it and do all this? And as my car has gotten faster over the years, you know, from a 10 second car to a six second car, it's never gotten to that point where you just wonder how can a human do this? Mm -hmm. Every, you know, you, you end up in such a zone that things just happen. You're not consciously thinking about everything you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't expect that. At this point, I don't expect it to change with the new car. And I still, you know, I drive a, if I go out with a 1,000 a, a or a 1,200 horsepower car on the street, every time I get on, I'm like, shit, this thing's fast. I mean, right. yeah, yeah. You, you don't get that jaded. Now I can drive a 700 horsepower car and it's like, all right, it's just, this isn't doing it. But, you know, once you get 1,200 plus horsepower, it still feels fast.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still scared. And it was like a year ago from the time <laughs> I was the last time. I like I'm having flashbacks now and I'm still horrified. And I'm just like, I don't what? My brain didn't even know what was happening. I was like, yeah. I don't even know that. like, That's crazy. So yep. I guess from a from a T one perspective, Tony, like what what do you want to do in the next year? Like what what's your you know, cause a lot of a lot of people are gonna look at you and say, you know, he's doing it, he's got everything lined up, he's just, you know Building these awesome cars, but like when we get into your head, like what's your next big step? Like what's your
1: next big goal? I wouldn't say that I have a next big goal. I've been on this path to refining what we're doing, and improving efficiency, um, decreasing stress, not having to be here forty plus hours a week, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm pretty comfortable with that right now in my life, and so mm-hmm. uh, I want to continue continue innovating. In our market um, there's there's still there's still lots to do Uh, I really like the direction that that our market is going right now because it's Mm -hmm. going more and more race car Mm -hmm. and that's more and more what I'd rather do I'd rather not mess with street cars race cars you know everything's better you Mm -hmm. can take a race engine and drive it 1500 miles on the street and wear the rods out right Mm -hmm, or you can mm -hmm. take a race engine and race it for four years and the engine keeps going Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so as much as i wish my customers only came back for upgrades that's not what happens you can't build a race car and things not break and wear out Mm -hmm. so everybody's happier whether or not paying for those services that don't make them faster when you're paying for that engine they just get you back to where you were it's just everything's better that way. The cars are safer because people can put proper cages in the cars without concerns of driving them on the street. Mm-hmm. They're faster, they're more reliable because we make them lighter, you know, getting rid of the stuff that you don't need for the street. Mm-hmm. So, I I really like the direction things are going. We're we've we've always been focused on filling voids as far as uh, T1 and GT1R products. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we don't make exhaust systems and and turbo kits and stuff like that. We make mechanical fuel pumps and fuel line kits for methanol drag cars and cdi systems for methanol drag cars and one mm. piece carbon fiber front ends for for drag cars like mm. we're working in a different side of the market that that there's voids and needs for and so um the more race that thing goes you know it's it's all low volume i mean it it's probably not the smartest thing to focus on the things that i can sell 20 of versus 200 of but mm whatever I don't like I don't like competing in a market where you end up you know competing on price and your margins aren't good mm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. my focus is, has always been filling voids that aren't being served well um, I was going to say though from uh,
2: advice perspective like advice you've been given kind of in your career what do you think is probably the one thing that's probably stuck with you throughout your career
1: so there's one thing that my dad said for I, I don't know how long ago I was little and I don't even know what it was in regard to, but it was it was related to buying the better and more expensive version the first time, rather than mm. buying the cheap version because in the mm. end you're going to end up buying the expensive version, and that applies to everything you're ever going to do in life, and probably more so in cars than even than most other things. But yeah, that's kind of always been my thing: is you know just do it right the first time.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know it. It's funny because. Thanks to the glory of facebook uh you have facebook memories where it shows you all the things you've done in the past and like i was looking back at all of the race things that i've bought where i went oh that'll that'll be fine oh, that'll be okay and then realizing that i ended up spending money twice because i ended up buying the newer thing the second time
1: everybody yeah. learns that lesson eventually mm-hmm. uh it, it, <laughs> some yep. people have to lose more money than others <laughs> and, and sometimes yeah. you think you've learned it and you try to cheat the system and it yeah, it comes back and gets you and you're like, damn it. Mm-hmm. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. So yep. yeah, yep. it's yep. it's pretty, pretty deeply ingrained in me at this point. Of,
2: no, I get I'm that. I definitely get that. Yeah. My wife and I were talking about that just recently where I had a similar epiphany and I was like, man, I thought I was smart. That's really not that smart.
1: all right well (laughs) we definitely learn
2: yeah exactly and of course of course being wise they nod like "Mm -hmm." Like, don't don't (laughs) "Don't make that mistake (laughs) i I didn't want to say anything
1: but i knew
0: (laughs) (laughs) right i'll let you learn exactly exactly we haven't asked anybody else this question so good luck (laughs) in your opinion what is the best way to validate a new product
1: I, i without question actually prove it in the field Okay. Simple enough.
2: The thing is, I could just see the look on Chris's face and he's like, go on. And he's like, no, uh, yeah, let's yeah, just, just, just use I, it. I, yeah. and
1: <laughs> you know, any, any product that relates to what we're doing. Um, I mean, it's, there's going to be a, a lot of technical stuff related to it. And you can do it all right on paper and then you get out there and find that it, it doesn't work. So, Uh, like crank manufacturers, right? Like we we still break cranks and there have been people that have built new cranks and they're, you know, here, let me know how it does. And it's like, well, you know, I'm not too eager to to jump onto that. And whether it's the strength of a part or, you know, the actual performance metrics of a part, whatever it is, I think the manufacturer needs to handle proving it. You know, there's a lot of a lot of companies that, you know, give stuff away and rely on feedback from end users, and that's never, it's just never good because people don't use things right, people don't mm-hmm. collect enough data, people mm-hmm. don't give you proper feedback. So if you've got or are developing a new product and you want to turn it into something and prove it, get out there and do it. Otherwise, you're just, it's not going to
2: going to work right you know. No, that makes a lot of sense actually and, and it's funny because you see that being done in a number of industries like not just automotive you see that done in, in gaming you see that done and um, like mobile tech you see it done in a lot of places where your customers are your guinea pigs and mm-hmm. then you wonder why you get a mess of feedback back from a bunch of people that don't use things correctly or don't use them sometimes you get the edge cases of like i never knew you could break it in that way and that's good <laughs> yeah, well, what did you do what did you do yeah exactly i didn't even know you even well, tried to use it, it that way <laughs> yeah exactly but in a lot of times like you say it's just you know they're i don't want to say they're being lazy but they're almost kind of cheating right trying to be cheap yeah. rather than just taking the time to do it right the first time
1: yeah yep. that's, and, and that's... it's always going to cost more it's always going to take longer but and another aspect of this is is people i guess caring more about their reputation you know like i i don't want to put something out there that i sent to four people and they were like yeah it's good to find out that there's a big problem so yeah i want to do it all all in house and be pretty confident (laughs) when it goes out at least there's nobody else to blame if i did something Mm -hmm. wrong um and i kind of want to i want to tie into that
2: like when you do decide to work with somebody, and I'm not really talking just from the sponsorship perspective, I'm just talking all up, like business partnership to business partnership. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you qualify that? How do you determine
1: what's a good fit for you? Somebody who I see as doing things on our level, and mm-hmm. not to sound cocky, but the reality is there's not that many people building race GTRs like we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm developing a product that fits that market and I want to work with somebody, it's going to be – one of a few people that I see on that same level. Mm -hmm. So, and I I mean, I guess that just makes sense. Like you're not going to give a race car part to somebody who's never built a race car and value the feedback. Yeah. No,
2: I think that's actually really important because um, it's a bit of a leading question, but one of the points I really wanted to cover for a lot of our listeners is like to make sure when you're looking at other businesses you want to work with, like make sure that there's a good fit on both sides. Yeah. Um, because it's just frustrating and a bit of a waste of time sometimes, you know, to come to a certain like let's say to a T1 and say, hey, you know, I think I'm awesome. Really, I don't have the engineering expertise, I don't have the social presence, I don't hustle, I don't have the budget, I don't raise cars, <laughs> but I think I, I think I'm cool. Well, I love Will myself. You give me, yeah, but I love myself. <laughs> well, you give me free stuff, right? Like, and that never really ever works. Um and, and it, it would almost be better to say, to be honest, like let me go find a, a company that's maybe closer to my level or maybe closer to my um, experience or size or maybe growing at that smaller rate and provide them more value than begging after a big fish that's just going to turn me down and it's never you know, going to create a good relationship.
1: Yeah, you know, on that note, as a manufacturer who tests something in our own vehicles to prove it mm-hmm. versus those who don't do such... Mm -hmm. The others are the ones who have to give all the product away to the people who are going to, they got the product for free or cheap or whatever as a Mm sponsored deal. They're going to run around going, oh yeah, this thing's great, whether it is or not. Mm -hmm. So I think that's another thing is you won't, I mean, I don't give anything away. Um, If it's, you know, somebody, uh, another shop that we do a lot of business with that's building a shop car or something, we might help them out and, you know, parts at cost or something like that, but... I don't give anything away mm-hmm. and I think you'll find that a lot of the top tier companies are in that same boat. Yeah. But the people who aren't doing their own development and testing, um, are given lots of thoughts of things away. Well, all right, guys, well, I appreciate everything.
0: Yeah. Enjoy always, the weekend. Stay warm. Quick.
1: Yeah. You do the same.
0: Bye. Okay. See you. Right, guys. Bye. As always, thank you all for listening. If anything in this episode got your gears turning, let us know on Instagram at studio road. We're a branding and consulting agency for the automotive market. And we always like to hear new viewpoints or ideas that our show inspires. All right, we'll see you next time.